never would have dreamed 10 years ago I'd want to build homes so tight to each other. And these are communities that were originally spec for multifamily product. And we're finding that a lot of people want their own home, but they want the community. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan. But only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Knit Money. This podcast will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners find the answers to the tough questions that will help them succeed. This week, we're excited to have uh, Mark Wall, who is a current co-owner of Cobblestone Homes. For those who don't know, Cobblestone is a leading home builder in the mid-Michigan area, winning numerous regional and national awards for the quality of their homes. Without further ado, welcome, Mark, to Mitten Money. Well, thank you for having me. Tell us a little about yourself. What's the path that you took to get your current position in your career? I guess construction always interested me. And growing up, we had some rental homes our family did and not in massive quantity. And I went to school in business, actually, and just always kind of resonated towards construction. And then also our my sport all through my high school years and into college was equestrian sports. And we showed horses. And that led me down a path of I guess also working on construction around the horse stable and I ended up meeting a builder. And at that time I was doing equestrian sports professionally and also buying some fixer upper homes and leasing them and or reselling them. And the flipping thing hadn't quite been as in vogue then. And it's an interesting business in itself, but I was kind of an early flipper, if you will. And so while I was there, I ended up meeting a gentleman who mentored us and I didn't realize at the time, but he had gone on to win America's Best Builder, and he's kind of become a life coach, which we've had several of, and really close individual. And he really convinced me to try and build new construction and all the reasons in his eyes, it would be a better investment. At that time, this is the late 90s, and it took a couple of years, I went out to his home and stayed with him in the off horse show season in the winter and during breaks in college, winter break, and learned their business model. And that was very helpful. It took me three years, I think it was, before I got up the courage to build our first new construction home. And it was really, we looked at more wanting to build a home building company, if you will, than just build one house. And so it always was a steward of leadership and business and found in the sport I was in, I wasn't going to be able to build the team that really invigorated me. Although we still have a passion for equestrian sports, we are back doing that as a hobby and business to an extent. But we really found that we could grow the team, we thought, and scalability to be around the individuals we like to a large enough staff in the home building industry. So that's really how we started out. And it started small, of course, a home at a time. And then we really started building our original tagline was quality affordable homes with character. And for lack of a better word, I say to our staff today, we build a odd Mercedes and BMWs we may drive Chevrolets, but we just had to find our market niche. And I think our attention to detail and strong focus on customer service drove us to a market. And the business as it grew, my wife, who was an educator, and she at the time had been working at Saginaw Valley State University after teaching in public school for several years, 
she was working in the business on weekends and evenings, and it just grew to the point that we had to make a decision, very hard decision, but she left her career as well and joined the company. And today, Melissa really runs all of our operations and probably on a day-to-day basis has a much greater pulse than me on the overall business. The market segment that really intrigues me, where I think we can help a lot of people, is the active adult empty nester. And with our population size, it's hard to get the communities you can get in Florida or somewhere like that. But we just thought there's a lot of needs out there for them. And we're pretty good at the service and the detail they want. They want a high quality product. They've owned several homes and they understand not all homes are created equal. And so they really do their homework. And I really focus on new markets like that. Today, we've branched the business into truly custom home building, fully custom. And it's still our largest segment and where we do complete turnkey design, build, service afterwards. One of the differences we found is it was challenging in this market was you could go to a builder and they'd build the home, but there was no consultive approach on the design work. And so we have on retainer architects and in-house CAD design. And so we kind of look at the whole project turnkey. I said, there's a difference in the building process and the construction process. We encompass that, just found a need for it. And so that's our fully custom. And then our large segment right now growing is our semi-custom line which is where people that we see a lot of relocation with some of the larger companies in the area or some of the medical doctors in. And so we found that custom design just wasn't, the path wasn't expedited enough for them. So we ended up saying, hey, we'll have a library of plans, which was more how we started out, but these may be large homes and you can personalize, but you're not necessarily gonna take the custom path. So we can get going a little faster for you in a little more expedited timeline. And those plans have been gone through with an architect and they still have all of the cobblestone design in them. And then our other market segment is the condo, which I think is more community building, like we're doing out to the greens at Apple Mountain, where that buyer really wants the, it's a stage in their life where community is important. And we just kind of look at the whole thing turnkey. We're getting into more of the amenities of the community. Another growth segment for us, we do a fair amount of lease, executive lease properties. And I think there's going to be a trend in America in the years to come that I don't think the dream of homeownership is gone but more and more people are, it's no longer an insult to not own a home, to lease. So that intrigues us as well. So a couple of questions kind of stemming from that. What would you say is a value added for having that, to your point about people in the past, maybe just building a home and not having that consultative relationship with their home builder, what kind of value do you see that adds to a potential relationship with a new client? First of all, this company's growing larger than we imagined, to be honest, in a way, in this market. We thought to be this large, and all of our coaches we've ever hired have always said, hey, to be the size we are today, you'd have to be in several other markets. So I just want to say, I don't think we're necessarily right for everyone. The value we bring to the table is more of the all-encompass turnkey, but that doesn't mean it's right for everyone. There's a lot of really good builders out in the Tri-Cities. I guess in a slang way, I say, if someone thinks They're looking for a builder that's going to be their whipping post and they're just there to bark at them and they don't really need a lot of professional advice. We're probably not your firm. I mean, we were awarded almost 10 years ago, the top 1% of truly custom home builders in America based on your processes and your quality. And we bring that to the table. I mean, we think from layout design to really understanding a needs assessment of that client, the universal design living in the home, how are we going to accomplish this? We're doing things today, a fair amount of zero step homes, meaning we're sinking the home into the basement on purpose. So there's no step garage to house, some complicated stuff. The value I think we bring is 
if you follow Disney leadership at all, they always talk about they can spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on a roller coaster, yet the letter they get because their child fell and scraped their knee and one of the characters ran over and helped them or got them a Band-Aid. And so they've realized it's really not about the hardware in their eyes. It's about the experience. We find from our clients, and we have some clients that have built with us literally one, four times, several, two and three times later. And we find that what they're really after is the consultative approach that we take. But again, I'm not sure it's right for everybody. I know it isn't right for everybody, but they want to come in, bring us their challenges, their dreams. When you put it in perspective, the home tends to be the single largest purchase for the typical American family. And you think about most sales equations, there's usually one buyer ultimately whether it be a large manufacturer making a purchasing decision, or if your wife and you are buying a car, ultimately the car is usually for one of you and the spouse is okay to go along with it. But if, if you choose the color they really don't prefer, they're okay with it. Well, now we're gonna build your home and we're bringing together usually two buyers and they don't always both have identical tastes. So we take a lot of pride in having a team of three on our interior design team. And that really, what we hear back in the letters we get is it's that someone took all the time to research and really find the tile we were looking for or meet the need we were trying to accomplish. And so that's pretty important. I think the other value we bring to the table is we really focus on what I call life cycle investment and Dow Building Solutions. And I did projects together over the years. Now they're part of the DuPont group, but versus the upfront cost. And so sometimes it's, I do believe that the life cycle investment of that home isn't more important to the majority of the buyers than just the upfront cost. But I think our industry has always been so beat down and commoditized at not understanding that, that when you're a newer builder, you tend to be driven on that. Yet when you poll homeowners later in all across America by all builders, they tend to say, hey, I wish somebody let me know I could have done that. Or I wish that was an option. I would have done that. And so a different financial institution interviewed me a few years ago and they said, Mark, you guys have had a run almost two decades and most builders we find with us go five, maybe seven years and fade away. And I said, well, we don't have any plans of going away. And we do a lot on that in our business planning. And they said, well, what's the difference? And I said, well, one of the largest differences I think is when you're building a home, particularly a custom home, you tend to hear that the client got really frustrated along the way. And I said, we'll do that before we sign the paperwork, not along the way. They'll be really frustrated with us. And I don't take pride in that, but that's just the reality. We really dig in and try and work out those details up front and make sure it's a good fit. So what effect has HGTV had on home building and consumer trends? Have you seen more things come more to light? Yes, unequivocally. And in 2011, we did an HGT episode And it was fantastic. And the people of the Great Lakes Bay region came out in droves. We had 780 people for the public day of filming, which was the largest that they had had at that point in time. So that was great. I would say it's probably not as great of impact today as it was then the show, but there's no doubt those shows have changed. When I started out, you would send a customer and I started on a much different builder than we are today, but okay, go over to the floor covering store and pick out your tile and you have this much to spend, or here's a few samples. And although we have a really great design team today and we try, a lot of our customers come to us or we try and do like a profile on them and show them what we think they like and easily works. But today, I mean, it's not uncommon to ship a tile in here from Italy or all over the world. I would say the largest area I've seen the change also is in light fixtures. We used to get all of our light fixtures at one source. They were delivered and labeled. 
we literally are renting warehousing space at our office complex today and racking light fixtures. And so you think in today's world, when you think about process engineering and taking steps out and HGTV has added more steps. I mean, you're no longer limited to the products that are just in your area. What do you see being the next big consumer trend within home building, whether that be something with kitchens or maybe the outside design of the house? Well, there was a trend towards the downtown rejuvenation, and I don't think it's gone at all. I think in small town America, Midland, Saginaw, Bay City, it'll be there. I think you're going to see areas like the last stat I heard was 100,000 people have now moved out of New York City, and we're all going to get through COVID. I certainly hope soon, and we'll get the vaccine, and life will hopefully get back to normal. But I think we are going to see a trend towards the suburbs are actually coming back now, which the last 10 years we've been hearing they're going away. That's one trend. I think the other trend we know, and we do our dabble in lease space and light commercial, so we've really been tracking this, is I don't think people want to always work from home by and large. And we're all different. Sample set. The whole trend at first was what's more efficient, people are more productive, let them work from home, offices are gone. And so for, I think, six months running, the most searched or one of the most searched Google words was home office. I believe that trend is going to end up at a lot more flex time where people are going to be in office some and at home. So there's no doubt workspace. We're thinking, seeing that not just one home office space, but perhaps we need two. And so that's a trend. We know the last few years, we did quite a bit of work with the University of Michigan, particularly out of Midland and on aging in place and things like that. And we know that people are living longer. That's a good thing. In fact, one doctor there said to me, Mark, 80 is the new young. And we know that people prefer to stay in their home and they're really accepting more sometimes that their home maybe isn't the home they've been in for 20 years, but they really prefer to not go to the home. And so I feel strong that in America, the largest buying segment right now is the millennial and cobblestone at our annual planning every year for two days has struggled with this one. We tend to be a better builder for the second largest buying segment, which is the active adult empty nester understanding their needs. There's just so much we can do. And so again, things like zero step, kitchens that they can work in, the doorways, the showers, all of that stuff. The technology is out there today. I'm not an early adopter on the technology. I'm more a believer in what's really going to have a life impact, but how do we incorporate that technology? One of our trends, I know if people drive by, they'll be like, what are they doing? We're in some of our communities like Copper Leaf and Midland and the Greens at Apple Mountain. We're actually really, really tight. I never would have dreamed 10 years ago I'd want to build homes so tight to each other. And these are communities that were originally specced for multifamily product. And we're finding that people, a lot of people want their own home, but they want the community. They want to know that their neighbor's there to watch out for them. Oh, definitely. And so the real estate area, like other industries, can be cyclical in nature. So does that make it tough to try and plan for certain life goals? Absolutely. Home building and real estate sales are one thing I've learned after studying this for almost 30 years and being a builder for almost 20 is home building is so regional. We saw times that America was crushed in home building and perhaps because of a downsizing, some of the major companies that were headquartered in Midland were bringing people back in and building was up. And we've seen it vice versa the other way on. So I think that it is very difficult. The world's moving so much faster. I would say it's much more risky than when we started out. For us today, we feel you can't be all things to all people. I always feel that was an 80 strategy. Our goal is to be able to weather those storms well. And I think so often it's an outlook, it's a how you look at it. And so I love to follow Jim Senegal, who founded Costco. And he said, 
Wall Street is in the business of making the quarter of the year, and we're in the business of being around the next 50 years. And so I think with that mindset, and that's really something in the last couple of years, Cobblestone, my wife and I have really focused on is we're going to have ups and downs. Home building tends to have a correction or crash every seven to nine years. And are we in business to do what we can in those seven to nine years? Or do we want this company to be here long after we're past our career? Are we interested in building a company for the next 50 years? So I think with that mindset, we go about it a little different. So what is your decision process like for as you go look for new product lines to launch or new communities to go build into? That's a good question because that's my area of the business. And so we tend to, and you're always looking so far forward. We have partners that we work with today on some of the land development. We do a lot of on your site, country site building, but this neighborhood community thing, I really believe is where we can make a big impact. And if you found a piece of land today and you were going to plat it as a subdivision on a fast track, you might be going in there to build homes in two years. And so you're really having to think about where you think the future is going to be. One of the things we look at is, of course, all the demographic. I'm a big believer in, though, the demographic to us will show us what we have based on also the supply we have. I love the Steve Jobs quote where he said, Apple is really good at figuring out what people have no idea they needed and then making them feel like they can't live without it. So I think we love to get client feedback, but the clients only know and the public from the information they're given. So we really sit back and say in an ideal world, what would this encompass? And we have all kinds of ideas in that currently. And so we look at that and say, hey, where do we think we'd want to be? Where would our parents want to be? Where would we want to live? How would that look? And realistically, at some point, it's a little bit of a gut risk. And that's one of the benefits of having the team that we have and being around as long as we have is being able to sometimes take those strategic risks that probably in the early years, we definitely couldn't have. Has there ever been a risk that you took that ultimately didn't work out? All the time. This whole smart home technology, that wasn't a big hit. And I'm not anti it at all, but the world's changing so fast and we have a new technology going on in our homes that we just love. But when it's changing, what I tell our team is if I can buy it at Amazon or buy it at Best Buy, I don't consider it a market differentiator and I don't feel that we need to focus as a big deal on in our homes. Of course, we can put it in. But early on, I would say it's probably been 10 or 12 years ago, we put an energy monitoring device on our homes and it showed you every single plug. I mean, you could tell how much your refrigerator was using. And we really thought this was so cool technology. When Governor Snyder toured the first, was the second net zero energy home we built, the second one ever built in Michigan, we did with Dow Chemical. And when he came to that home, it was his first stop to mid-Michigan as governor, that's 2011. And they toured the home and he made a comment of, I'm a nerd. And that was his favorite feature of the home. We were hoping it was going to be the solar shingles or the fact the home produced more energy than it used. And it was the technology, the smart technology to tell you how you were doing. And I think at the time too, it didn't have push technology. So you had to log in and look it up. And we invested in that, researched that, had me drove to Chicago on that and met with people from New York on that. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't that important to the buyer. I think what's important to the buyer is the check they write, the comfort they have. So we have transferred from that knowledge base to you and we've taken our semi-custom home line and up to 2,400 square feet, we guarantee the heating and cooling to not exceed $50 a monthly average or 600 for the year. And that has a greater impact to people, I think. And to be honest, it's all the same thing. We put all the knowledge we learned on how to build a high-performance home 
But rather than you look it up and see what you're doing, you can measure it with your wallet. So we just turned that negative into a positive. It just took us five or six years to understand it. No, that's a wonderful story. So what does money mean to you? You could say it's a way of keeping score. I don't think it's the number one way of keeping score. To me, it means the ability for us to do other opportunities for people to maybe grow or make an impact. I think of some of my local heroes around here, and I think they get up and go to work every day and they don't have to or work. And I think that definitely money is not a purpose to be in business. And I think if you want to fail, just go into business to make money. I think that money is a result of your things working out well and a result of getting other things correct. However, I think we have to realize that, and we have to measure this in long periods of time. There's somewhere out there today, there's just some awesome restaurateur who has just got an excellent product and all their business aligned and everything's great. And they were just dealt a really, really bad card. We all were. And so I hope they don't measure everything just based on money this year. And so now if you said to me, if we measure that business over five or 10 years, I think money would be an okay metric to look at. And again, I think that would be okay. And I think that's a little bit on your maturity and and where you are in life, because there's been a lot of times that I think people's, if they really valued money, they would stop and get out before they kept going maybe. And they hope for a bigger picture, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's needed. It's the fuel to keep the engine running. You have to have it. I just think it's overrated sometimes. What are some things you'd like to do in your free time? One, we don't like a lot of free time, but we are active on a daily basis. I love coming to work and we have a lot of stresses at work too. And there's not all days are great days, but most days coming into work, I think how lucky I am to be able to do what I do. And in our free time, we share the equestrian sports, my wife and myself and our daughters getting into it. And it's a little bit more like work sometimes and even work. So we don't have a lot of downtime between those two things. I do love, and I missed it this year. We aren't big travelers other than horse shows, but we do love going to the Smoky Mountains or Gatlinburg is somewhere that for some reason when I'm there, or it's like an adult Disney for me, just find different things to do and recharge. And I always get more creative coming home from there. Cobblestone does have a cabin there for anyone that touches our company or works on our homes to use, free to use as a retreat. And I think some of the people have liked it. I was just kind of always hoping that they would get some of that same recharge that we get from going there. For people who want to learn more about Cobblestone Homes, what are some good resources for them? We're always happy to discuss. And I would say the website has been geared a lot, of course, towards the product. And we're doing a better job of doing a more stronger focus on the organization there. Things like our core values and our purpose, because we do feel that if we're not aligned, we're not a good fit. And we do look for a real good alignment because we do look at it like a marriage in a way. Once you are a customer of Cobblestone, you're kind of a customer for life, if you will, we feel. And so we try to figure out up front if it's not good for both parties, that might not be good for us. Well, perfect. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mitten Money. If you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast. Additionally, please subscribe so you don't miss when our new episodes drop. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com. <laughs>